Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast, with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast, the Pride episode. Ah, oh, I wish I was Yay. on a float. Happy Pride Month, everybody! June, June. which is also our, both of our birthdays. That's right. We love. Pride we are Month. basically a gay Pride float of our own. <laughs> Alex, you look great in our dad bod T-shirt. Today. Oh, thank you very much. You know, I picked it up somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. It might have been on daddysqr.com slash store. It might be. I don't know. You're pushing the merch. merchandise. It's all about merch, baby. <laughs> well, uh, DadBot was one of our biggest episodes uh, so far. Uh, so we decided to shout it out to the world and say right. we're, we're proud of our bodies. Hashtag body pride. I don't know what this hashtag thing is of which you speak, but okay. I have a gay dad proud moment this week. Um, and to me, to be a gay dad proud is to laugh off of things uh, that our kids say that related to gay culture, okay. as you know. So, for example, this week our kids had a hip-hop show because they go to a hip-hop class. So, it was like the end of the class. And they did a show. At the end of the show, when the music was off... Our son, Ben, announced Dana International yeah. in such a hilarious way. And for those who don't know who Dana International is, first of all, hello, where have you been? They've been maybe Out, in America. Maybe in America. Dana yeah. International, it's an Israeli sensation, transgender singer um, who won Eurovision Song Contest in 1998 and changed everything. Um, and there was another incident uh, yesterday <laughs> when Adam asked me, Is there a storm in your anus? Oh, is there a storm in your anus? Listen, just... In your anus. Yes, so those of you who don't know, they've learned all the planets, and a lot of videos and our teachers teach them that the planet is pronounced Uranus, which infuriates me. So I have taught them properly that it's called Uranus, because it's funnier that way. (laughs) So I'm like, yes, there's a storm in my anus. Just terrible. You had a funny incident with him this week as well, no? The story? Yes. So, all right, I'm going to try to tell this as quickly as possible, see if it makes the edit cut. So I'm sitting there and uh, uh, with my kids after we put them in bed, and they say, you know, Daddy, can you tell us a story? And I, I tell them the same set of stories about my childhood all the time, and I, I make up these fantastical things that happened in our house when I was a little boy. And so he says to me, uh, can you tell me the story about the, the magical hole? And there, and so there is uh, a, a room in our house. When I was a little boy, I had a bedroom, and my brother had a bedroom, and it had a tiny hole in the wall. You could just barely see through it, but if you got close to the hole, you would shrink down and pop out on the other side. And that way, our mommy and our daddy didn't know that we were going and visiting each other. That's when we the were story you were telling every night. Now, that's the story I've been telling every night. And as I was telling the story this time, I told them about daddy's room and I told them about my brother's room. And they said, well, what about Abba's room? What about my, my husband, Jan, who was sitting opposite me room? And I said, well, you know that I didn't even know him back then when I was a little kid, which was a bit of a shocker to them. And I said to them, only about 12 years ago, did I see him uh, at the gym? And I said, oh, wouldn't it be nice to get to know him? And I walked over to him and I said, hello. And then Adam interrupts and he says, did you go through his magic hole? 
The answer is yes. Yeah, and that's when I kind of lost my mind laughing and screaming and rolling <laughs> yeah. around the floor. Uh, you know, so that kind of thing does happen. Write to us if you have some uh, stories like that uh, from, that your kids did that made you laugh. Um, we'd love to hear from you. It's, uh, if you want to write to us, it's hello at daddysqr.com or the Gay Dads Podcast on Instagram. DaddySQR.com Today we're talking about pride and how to instill pride in our kids. We have an amazing guest, Ariel Foxman. God, he was really amazing. He was amazing. It was a great interview. He's a, a journalist and a writer and a dad of an 18-month-old boy. Um, and he talked about the whole idea of pride, pride of our kids in us, and pride of our kids in themselves. So that's, uh, that's coming up right now. But uh, let's hear the sponsors first. Sponsor announcement. And first, a word from our sponsor. Oh, yeah. Are you ready to become a dad? Surrogacy is a wonderful way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy was founded by a gay dad through surrogacy and has been helping gay singles and couples become parents for over 20 years. Because surrogacy is an emotional and financial investment, finding the right agency to partner with you and support you on your journey is very important. Circle Surrogacy believes that everyone should have the opportunity to be a parent. Learn more at CircleSurrogacy.com. You have such a soothing voice, Alex. Doesn't it, doesn't it yeah. make you want to make children? Yes, let's make babies. We did that. Now let's make an interview. Okay. Here's Ariel Foxman, and happy Pride to us and to him and to everybody. Hello, Ariel. Hello, good morning. I say it in Israeli accent. I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, today it's like a special Pride episode, so we want to talk about uh, Pride and how to instill Pride in your kids. And you were just talking to us uh, before we started recording, and I find it very charming that you last night you were to, uh, to the GLAAD Awards, yeah. and you filled your table with uh, gay kids. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I have been on the board of GLAAD, um, which is a media advocacy group that was celebrating its 30th anniversary. And they have um, a media awards program in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York. And as a board member, I'm asked to either raise money or spend money. <laughs> and I'd much rather spend money. Um, it's easier. So I bought a table. I buy a table every year. And in the past, I fill the table with you know, folks that GLAD would like to have in the room, people who may donate money, um, celebrities, fashion people, I come from that industry. Um, Wait, I, are you saying that there are gays and lesbians in entertainment and media? If you and look fashion? really hard, that's a you can find one or two. <laughs> and of that one or two, maybe one will come out to an event. Um, you know, they want it to be as fabulous as, as right. possible. So I would do my best to do that. But that's a lot of pressure, too, because you end up hosting people who you don't really know at your table. Anyway, I decided in the past six months, as I was thinking about this table... First, I knew I wanted to invite my niece, who is not queer. She's 15, but she's obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. Well, And I knew, having been to these events, there would be some of the drag queens there. Yeah. So she was already on the roster. And over the past few months, I have been connecting with friends um, and former colleagues whose children have recently come out as gay mm -hmm. 
or we kind of always knew they were gay and now they're they're officially out. And I said to these moms specifically, bring, come, enjoy the show, but bring your child because I, I guarantee you it's gonna be, if not life-changing, affirming. Mm-hmm. And we had this amazing table last night with all these gay teens who were, like it, the program still gives me chills. So, you know, to see all of these proud LGBTQ folks and allies up there um, telling their stories and not sugarcoating it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not easy all the time, um, but things are better and things are getting better and people need allies and people need to fight. And so these kids, this is how I know it went well. One mother texted me this morning before I came here saying, thank you, we're still in the glow of last night. My son, George, promises free babysitting for your son for the rest of his life. I thought, okay, well, he had a good time. Yeah, plus <laughs> he's lying to you. Right, I'm sure. Like, within a minute, he was sending like, me a, an invoice. But <laughs> um, So, wait, can you just give us, so how many of them were there, and what are their, like, a, the like the range of ages we're talking about? Um, there were three queer kids at yeah. the table, and they were probably 14 to 16. The subject of this episode is pride, and I have to say that I can think of few contexts where the the LGBT people in the room are more proud than that event that right? you that you went to that you, you know last night, and you brought three kids into it who got to go who are walking around today, the day after having been part of such an incredibly you know proud event. Now, yeah. as much as I'm sure that we can provide a black tie uh, affair for every single gay and lesbian that's, child, I mean, that's my goal. Uh, because <laughs> gays and lesbians naturally want to do a black tie event Hello. every morning and afternoon, yeah. um, though that may not be possible, I, I would ask you, so okay, you can't do that. Big wide ranging question. How do you make your kid proud? You know, it's such a... It's such a challenging question because I think it's it's the core of kind of everything I think about and my husband and I think about as a parent. Not necessarily like how are you going to be proud about your gay dads or about who you are, but <clears throat> how do you instill a calm and consistent approach of respect and appreciation and and equality. There's so many ways. My child is, I have one son and he's 19 months. 19 right? months? 19 months. Oh my and God, you're here. Yeah. And I'm here. My husband is out with him at breakfast <laughs> now. Um, and, you know, he talks a little. He's not, he's not, I'm sure he has a lot of opinions, but he's not stating them. <laughs> um, but people say the, the strangest things. And I am kind of using that as, practice now to to figure out what the response is so that he understands that like it's not okay to say something negative it's not okay to say something um that puts people in a power play so uh, the thing that i'm grappling with right now is um my son is hispanic Mm -hmm. um my husband is um hispanic and my child is hispanic And we were just going on vacation to Miami for Passover. And a woman who's very close to our family, who loves our child, said to me in front of our son, don't get too dark. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't laugh, it's, but that's right. wild. It's wild, but it's, you know, it's, you, it's, it's not that shocking, right? Because she said it and she said it in my house and she loves this child. And I don't question that for one second. Right. But it really, I'm not a person of color. So I did, I've never experienced that as a, as a child. I've don't experience that, that as adults. I only hear and know these stories from other people, right. but to hear her say that in front of my child to me has lingered with me because it's just a reminder that people are going to say things all the time in very roundabout ways that are going to make a person that would make anybody question who they are and what their role and what their place is in the world. When in reality, we all have the same place. Right. Um, and this woman comes from a, a culture where she was explaining to me, you want to get tan, but you don't want to get black. Mm-hmm. And I listened politely, politely and respectfully. And I kind of shook it off and I said, you know, well, we're not worried. Right. Um, you know, as long as he's wearing SPF, I don't, I don't care how, <laughs> how tan or how much time he spends in the sun. But um, I just know that there are going to be these comments that people say, and it's not just about comments. It's what you know. This is why Glad is so important. You're watching media. There's so few representations. Some of them are so awful. Uh, people are buying us books all the time for my son. There's so few people of color in them. There's hardly any LGBTQ. Um, people in them. And so I think if you don't know the stories and you don't hear the stories, you don't see these people, it's very hard to even have a baseline of pride. How much is it about understanding um, that, you know, you have gay dads and what is gay and why is, you know, why is pride, uh, you know, what is it to be proud about being gay or in the case of your son about having a Hispanic background or whatever it might be. And how much is it a generic principle that you instill in your kid such that it really doesn't matter what the topic is. They enter life and they continue life with a sense that I'm all right. And I don't, it doesn't matter whether they come at me because of my sexual orientation or my racial background or my religion or my nationality or, you know, my party affiliation or whatever it is. How, how do you balance those two? Um, I think that for me, as I think about it, it's, it's the second is the first, the, the sort of generic sense of respect and pride for yourself simply because you are and others simply because they are is fundamental and foundational. So if you don't have that foundation, you know, that all people are equal and all people kind of have the same needs and the same desires and the same, it's, there's no word for it because it's so, it's so fundamental. It's like everyone is the same period, right? We all come into this, this universe the same, whether we look different or we're able differently, it doesn't matter. You're still, you're still human, right? Um, and it's only after people start asking questions or labeling kids or people that people start instilling this idea that like, oh yes, we're all the same, but we're kind of all different and there's better mm-hmm. and there's worse by default, right? So, but that's everything from, oh, your child is so beautiful, right? Which my child is so beautiful. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's that's great because, you know, he's beautiful, but 
I'm, you know, every time someone says it, I'm like, oh, and he's like really well, well-mannered and good, you know, loving and kind. You're Nineteen and months old is well-mannered. He is. He's mm. very, very um, empathic. So, wow. um, you know, to the degree that he can be. But I, you know, I think that, to answer your question, I think that it is about um, really teaching and really living this idea that everyone is equal, right? Like, I don't care what you do or where you live or where you're from to like decide how close we're going to know you or get to know you. Um, whoever you are in our life, you deserve the same amount of respect and um, curiosity. And I think with that, you can then say, but we're all from different cultures and there's all sorts of ways to express yourself as a human being, whether it's religious, spiritual, racial, you know, ethnicity, um, sexual orientation. And I think, you can then build like there's a hundred different religions. Our religion is this, this is what we believe in. And that's why we think this is special, but other religions are special too. It's just not what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there was a month or so where my son kept saying, ma, 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 ma. And I thought he was saying mama, which like, wouldn't be surprising. Right. But, um, it turned out he was saying more. <laughs> um, but I kept thinking to myself that, you know, like that. It was a, it was a Diana Ross. It was a more, more, yes, more. more, more, more. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know, he's, there's going to obviously be this moment where someone says, you don't have a mother or where's your mom or he'll ask. And, you know, we have this book that says, you know, it's not binary. It's not, you have a mom and a dad or you have gay parents, you know, there's some people who have no parents and there's people who are raised by grandparents. And, you know, there's some people who have siblings and, <laughs> There are people who don't have siblings and whatever. Some people have pets. And um, so I think really getting into that plurality that exists and in that spectrum, we are this. Right. You know, and I think what's interesting about being a gay dad is, which I don't think straight parents necessarily think about. It's like, I can, I can be something that my child may not be. Right. 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 So like, we're Jewish. My child will be raised Jewish. Will he stay Jewish? don't know in practice i don't know will he have the fundamentals of judaism yes because that's the house he grows up in um you know he's hispanic he will always be hispanic right i will never be hispanic but his father his other father will be so what's our responsibility in terms of his understanding his culture his heritage where he's come from where he's going but my being gay has no bearing on whether or not he will be gay queer straight whatever so i think there's there's a little less pressure about that for me in that you need to know that all people are the same. Everyone is different at the same time and that's okay. And that's what's, you don't have to worry that you have to judge one thing versus another. Everything is okay. Your perspective is beautiful. uh, First of all, and uh, it feels like something that a child should be raised with. Uh, Did you, were you raised with it? Or did you sort of um, discover it as you came out of the closet? Or how much of this was something that you grew up with naturally? Um, I think I grew up with a lot of this in a very different context. So my parents are both white, Jewish, you know, middle-class, hardworking people Mm -hmm. um, who come from families that valued education, that valued social justice. My father ran a 
social justice organization for decades. What was it? The Anti-Defamation League? Oh, you're kidding. No. Wait a minute. Sorry, hold on. Your father's name? Abraham Fox. Oh, my God. Of course. So that's my dad. That's Um, amazing. So my dad was the director of the Anti-Defamation League for decades. Yeah. um, Which fights, you know, against anti-Semitism, but... In order to do the work, it's it's a lot of intersectionality, right, with other organizations. And so to see that someone's chosen profession is about protecting and helping marginalized people. You know, I remember being in class and they'd be like, what do your parents do? And, you know, you go around the class. My, my mom's a, you know, a chemist and my dad's a lawyer. And I'd be like, my father is the national director of the Anti-Defamation League. And at the time it was of B'nai B'rith. And I had to like remember this thing and I knew that it was very special. Right. Because even today, um, you know, for 30 some years, people have said, oh, is that your dad? Yeah. Because he's quoted a lot in the paper and um, he's done a lot of really interesting and impactful work. But so that was one perspective that lived. My father is a Holocaust survivor and my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. They've since passed, but that that narrative in your house is something that, you know, is that most children are not being taught or thought about, like that there's genocide and that there's, there's institutional anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, there's institutional racism, that things can get so bad that millions of people can be exterminated. Right. So like knowing that as a child, I think was something that kind of kept me on my toes. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mother is a retired school teacher. She's a school teacher for 30 plus years and she worked in the New York City public school system. We lived in New Jersey. She could have easily had a an easier mm. profession or career working at a private school in New York uh, or New Jersey. And instead she chose to work um, you know, in a public school where most of the kids and families are of color and, and underserved. And it doesn't make her a hero, but it, but it's heroic work. Little does. Little yeah. Does. Right. Little and it's like, and it, cause it was always very matter of fact. And I don't think you could even do this now, but we would, we would have some of her students spend the summers with us in our home in New Jersey. And there was just this sort of open door figurative policy that like all people are people. Right. Um, it wasn't necessarily the case around LGBTQ. Um, and not that my parents were, homophobic, but they were just the product of their environment. I think that kids are um, not dumb. And if they're raised with this kind of pluralism and this kind of uh, embrace of the different, there's a pretty good chance that that will bleed over to areas that their parents may not have specifically been talking about, right? Yes. Uh, my, my parents were not homophobic, uh, but yeah, it wasn't an area that they really cared to talk about particularly much. It wasn't, uh, they made jokes about gays mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. um, but I was raised with this kind of sense of, um, you're all right, you know, there's no shame in you. So that when I realized, oh, I'm gay, uh, I was I was afraid of what life was going to be like, but I wasn't ashamed. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into mm-hmm. it saying, wow, I, I might be a bad guy because of what I've turned out to be. And I think that it's true that you can kind of create that sense in your child the only thing I guess I would ask you on the subject, though, is this. You are a bit, from what you've just described, of let's call you a a cultural unicorn. There are not thousands of people with your family background. Sure. And 
if we're talking to somebody who is not like that, didn't come from that, I would still ask, so what do you do with your children to create that kind of example in their lives that allows them to kind of hold themselves taller and approach life with a sense of pride, regardless of what it ends up being? I think it comes down to very, very small and consistent actions. And I think that it's it's t- it's tempting but overwhelming to think of pride, capital P, or whether it's cultural or racial or religious, whatever it is, right? Um, but I think that what really matters is like the little things that you do consistently that add up. And for me, and I know for my husband, it really boils down to not being judgmental as best we can as human beings and respecting everyone as they cross your path. So I think, you know, it's it's probably easier to say, oh, well, you know, take them to museums and read them books and, you know, put them in a class and be very, very proud about the things that you are and then be in a household where, like, they don't treat some relatives nicely. They talk about people behind their back. They're short with a waiter in a restaurant. Like, mm. they're these things that, that insulate people um, and make them feel better or, or higher than other people. And I think, and it's not what necessarily comes to mind when you think about pride or respect, but I think if a child sees that you consistently treat everybody equally, mm. then having pride in yourself is like a no brainer. Having pride in other people is a no brainer. I have done this interview with a famous actress for a magazine and, she said in a, in response to a question about me too and the women's movement and time's up. Um, she says, you know, people keep saying to me, I play these powerful women and what is it like to be such a powerful woman in the industry? And she says, you know, I'm not interested in that. If I'm the most powerful woman in the room or I'm one of 20 most powerful people, that means there's a lot of people who have no agency mm-hmm. and who have no power. And I, I thought that was so beautiful because she's every right to, to say I'm one of the most powerful people in in Hollywood, but she was like, that doesn't interest me. And, it, and it's, that's how we raise our child. Like it doesn't interest us to not treat everyone equally because at the very least, you're going to want that for your child. Okay, so I have to ask a, a, a difficult question about that. That sounds so beautiful. I worry that the world is tough and that that beautiful instinct for equality may result in my child not trying to dominate. Domination sounds bad, right? Yeah. Except that the problem is that in a tough world, is there a chance that my child will be dominated because he does not dominate? I know that that sounds rough, but... What happens if my child has an outstretched arms and love for all mankind and all mankind comes around and chops his arms off? Right. Well, mm-hmm. we're hoping that doesn't happen. I think that um, I, I hear what you're saying. I think when you lay the foundation for your child to not be motivated by fake and false senses of domination or submission, then they are freed to actually really pursue their passion. And when they pursue their passion and they have a talent and they have resources to support that talent, 
they will quote unquote dominate in their field, right? So like so many people choose to be something in the world because of the accolades they'll get or the way they may or may not be judged around it or um, I know I can succeed in this, so I'm going to do it. Um, And I think that if you, as best you can, you peel those away pretty early on, you free up a, a child to be who they are. And when you are who you are, we see this all the time. It's the message that we're taught all the time and I really believe in. If you are doing what you believe you should be doing, you're kind of going to do a, a good job. And you won't necessarily, you may succeed, you may dominate, you be num- may be number one, but it may not be the motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think that this idea that if you are, you know, loving and kind and all embracing, you set, it sets yourself up for being taken advantage of. It's not about becoming a wallflower. It's about it being self reflective, right? So it's like, if I respect you, I respect myself, right? So I respect you up into the point you are not respectful, right? right? right. And I can share that I find you disrespectful in a respectful way. Yeah. And I think that's what's been very interesting also as a parent of a young child is that these things are said in front of him or people ask questions in front of him. And look, I'm not perfect. I would say eight times out of 10, I use it as a teachable moment. Two times out of 10, I may say something. You deck them, don't you? Yeah, I do. You know, because it's like, really? You know, you're going to ask that. People always ask me, where did we get our child? At, at Walmart, I would assume. Listen, we are Target, <laughs> like, through and through. But, um, you know, and I, there's a, and, you know, my mom has said to me, like, oh, people are just curious or, you know, they're interested. And there are, there is a category of people who just need to ask a question so that you know that they're comfortable with you. Right. Yeah. And like, I find that exhausting, but I'm happier than that than not. Right. Right. Um, But people ask these questions like without thinking of the language. And I think so much of that, so much of what I'm talking about in terms of raising your child is about taking the time to be thoughtful about your language. Right. Um, And it's just so easy in our culture to, to label something as good or bad, to label something as, weak or strong or, you know, even, even people who say to my kid, like, Oh, I don't know. You know, you eat that. You want to grow up big and strong. And I'm like, I don't know if he wants to grow up big or strong. Like maybe he does. And maybe he doesn't. He, he actually has very little to say about that <laughs> um, as a child, but you know, people, um, someone said to us this morning, um, we said, we have too many toys in the house. And someone said, well, why don't you grab some of these toys? Some people in our family, extended family are going to have sons on the, in a couple of months. And like, I'm sure this one has boy toys already in their house because they have boys, but this one doesn't because she only has a girl. And I said, there's no such thing as boy toys. And she's like, I know, I know, I know, but you know what right. I mean? I said, I know what you mean because I lived in a world where people said those things. Right. Um, I think that uh, us as gay dads are yeah. kind of more sensitive to it. Um, the whole like boy toys, girl toys. Yeah. I mean, we don't care about it either. And, and we kind of, you know, routine for them to pick out what they want, but it's still considered like not something general. Right. Yeah. Look, I, I uh, just right here on the podcast, I'm going to come out and I'm going to say, I, I, I care a little bit. What I do, I do. I, I that they uh, play with uh, girl toys, and it's not because my children are boys. I think if my children were girls, I'd feel the same way. I don't 
like girl toys, generally speaking. I mean, I, I I see a Barbie doll and I'm like, what the hell is that thing? And why are you going to sit there and play with it for an hour? You have a dump This is why truck? you married me. You have a dump truck? I love it. You want to build things? I love it. But I don't understand what you're doing with that doll. But I think so that's, that's a, not a gender thing. That's right. just my personal. But right, because so many <laughs> toys in general are problematic, whether we label them girls or boys. Like, you know, boy toys with guns and soldiers, like I yeah, find I don't like problematic, that either. right? Yeah. Like water guns even annoy me. Right. But like so many of what so many of the toys that are geared towards girls yeah. are problematic in the representation. Like right? Sedentary. I mean I like yeah. the uh, I like the purple Corvette, but that was from like the nineteen seventies. <laughs> Malibu um, Barbie. Yeah, Malibu Barbie. I, you know, I think I think that yes, we are super sensitive to it and I think the onus is not on us to educate the world, but I think the onus is on me. Let's like, I can only talk for myself is like in those moments, because we have a heightened consciousness around these things in most of those moments to call somebody out lovingly. Right. So this morning I said, there's no such thing as boy toys, you know? And she's like, I know, I know, you know what I mean. And I didn't leave it there to say like, yes, I know what you mean and I'm going to make you comfortable. I was like, I know what you mean because I grew up hearing about right, boy toys. Right. But it does, and she's like, okay. I, I said, you mean vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, yes, you know, and this is a person who loves our son and is part of our family and is just, you know, a tremendous human being. But I think that every time there's an opportunity to say something that's meaningful and eye-opening, do it. You know, my husband was in a... Uh, park nearby and he was uh, I'm assuming roughhousing because that's what the story is about but like um, you know he was being active with our son mm -hmm. and a woman came up to him and said angrily you know like if essentially like if his mom were here and saw how you're playing with oh. it, your son on the slide what would she you know and in front of her child she was right reprimanding my husband um, you know so first of all mind your business but if you're going to out yourself as someone who's like watching and has an opinion and a judgment, then you've invited me or whoever else to say like, you know what? Like, first of all, don't make any assumptions. There's no mom. Second of all, it's not your business. Third of all, why are you talking like this in front of your child? Right? Like I'm glad did, I wasn't in that situation. Did, Cause did I he would do it. Did yeah. He do yeah. It? No, he, I think he did it a lot more forcefully than that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that it's, it's just never like the, what happened to you, Alex. What happened to me was pretty awful too. Yeah. It's never the marginalized the people whose responsibility it is to, to educate and inform and point out. But like, guess what? There, we are the ones who see these, these, these things in action. And I think it's okay to say, listen, there are no boy toys or listen, you know what? Think before you say his mother, because not every family has a mother, right? right? Like, right. and it's not about putting someone in their place. It's about making them think the next time they're about to open their mouth <laughs> that they right. say something. But listen, but I was at bye bye baby before it, um, it had its foreclosure not by my baby, excuse me, Babies Are Us. I was at Babies Are Us mm. before it closed its doors and it was right. like, you know, sale wall to wall. And they had a section literally called Girls Toys. And I was like, this is 2018, 19. Like it's still like, so yeah. when, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think that's problematic, but there's a lot of people who never thought about it. And then there are the people who are like, no, there are girl toys and don't, you're not gonna convince me otherwise. And I'm not concerned about those people. No. I wanna go back to that incident in the park. Yeah. Um, your son was is a little bit younger, but what happened if he was older? How would you explain that to him? I think that um, 
there's two things. I think one, the lesson is about remaining cool and calm in any situation, in almost any situation. I think that's the larger lesson that a child actually learns. Mm-hmm. Um, because listen, the second lesson is not everybody sees things the way we do and that's okay. And not everyone's going to, we're not going to see the things the way they do too. But even when someone crosses your boundary or is in your space or is sharing a differing view or yelling at you, you can choose your response. And the response should be, there's no power in what you say, so I'm not going to be angry. But since you've opened up the dialogue, this is how I feel. This is why I think what you've said is problematic. So I think, you know, if he were a little bit older, he still wouldn't have gotten it. You know, he would have just gotten like the energy of it, you know, Mm -hmm. but if he were four or five, he would have gotten it. And I think the challenge is on us as a parent in the moment to be prepared to say, you know what, we don't have a family with a mother and a father. We have two fathers and my father and co-parent and husband would be very happy with the way I was playing on the slide. Right. So like there are so many times where people say to me, like, because my child is Hispanic and has a a Spanish name, I, I can count, you know, the times that people have said, Oh, does he look like his mom? Is his mother Spanish? You know, and I'm very excited to be like, no, my husband is, you know, because you can immediately see like two things. One, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have made that assumption. And then two, like, why am I even like, this is not my business. Like when someone asks a question and they don't get the answer they want, it's startling. You know, it, it, I don't have a perfect answer to your question. Like, mm-hmm. I'm nervous for that those moments where right. Cielo, my son, is going to be aware of it. And I think what I want long-term is, look, we don't agree with everybody in the world, and that's not possible. And not everyone agrees with us. But we have to agree that we have to talk respectfully to people, and we have to stand our ground. And that's what matters. And you can say something and walk away and know that you may not have changed someone's mind, but you didn't let the moment sort of overwhelm you. <clears throat> that would be my hope. I'm sure there are gonna yeah. be times where I'm gonna be like, excuse me, what did you say? You know? yeah. Sure. We took our son on the plane home from, from Florida where he was born and he was very tiny as newborns are and we were two men carrying a very tiny baby. And from TSA to flight attendant to baggage claim, women came up to us and said, oh my God, he's so small. You know, he shouldn't be on a plane or wrap him up. And when we were getting our bags, this woman came over and was like, oh my God, I can't believe the mother let you out with him. (laughs) And like, it was so fresh. And I was like, you know, this like bleary eyed, sleep deprived dad um, in this like, you know, bubble of happiness that I was struck silent. I was like, I just gave this woman a look like, you need to move away. Right. Um, and sometimes that works too. Well, <laughs> you know, so one of the areas of pride that I find really compelling, challenging is when I was first coming out of the closet, I went into, I went into, let's call it hyper pride. I went into this period where everybody was wrong and, uh, everybody was, um, you know, guilty of some infraction. 
And as the years have passed, I know <laughs> so very many years have passed, <laughs> um, I have mellowed. And when I say I have mellowed, I think I've even mellowed in some ways that gay activists would find offensive. I um, approach, um, I don't know if I would call them homophobes, but let's just say uh, people who are not, uh, they're not good with the gays, right? right. Um, I approach them with a very different flavor and attitude than I would have 25 years ago and than a lot of activists do today. And that is with a kind of maybe even warmth and um, kind of uh, a, a, a resigned smile at the fact that you've gotten this wrong, right, and that I don't agree with you. Um, if they're rabid, hateful people, then fuck them. That's different. But I think that there is a massive percentage of these people who are not good with the gays who do not fall into that category. And I guess my question for you would be, is there a value to bringing warmth to um, those who don't get you rather than having to teach them all the time when they may not be ready to learn anyway? I think that's a great question. Um, I think that all people, gay or not, go through a bit of the evolution that you described, right? Like, I'm t everything I know, I know from my parents and my teachers. Oh, wait. My parents and my teachers are not infallible. There's a world out there. I'm going to set it straight. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to get a lot of, you know, joy out of doing that. Right. Um, and, and find an identity perhaps through that. And then life happens and you're less inclined to care about other people's judgments as you get older. You know who you are and you realize you can't take on the world, unless that's your job. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's true for a lot of people. But when you talk about um, bringing warmth to those who have gotten it wrong, I, th I think about people in three categories. I think there are marginalized people. There are allies who use their privilege to understand what it might like to be a marginalized person and to do what they can to either stop that conversation um, that hurts people and to stop the policies and legislation attitudes, right? And then there's the people, and I think within the allies, there's a movable middle, mm -hmm. right? There's people who are like, I like everybody, and like it's, but I don't need to know about your life. It's not my business. Right. And then there are people who are like, I'm buying a table at Glad, <laughs> but I'm a straight ally and I'm filling it with straight friends. Yeah. Um, and those exist. And I think, you know, that's, it is a movable middle. There are people on either end of it who can be convinced otherwise to come into the ally right. space. Um, and it usually happens because they know someone personally. Right. Um, and I take that very seriously. And then I think there's a third group of people who like, you know, like you said, it's fuck them. Like they're, they're never going to be allies. They hold on to a very different point of view for various reasons, whether it's generational or religious or, or they just want to feel better than, they can oppress somebody. Right. And I think, you know, that's a lot of what is at the root. But I think about that movable middle and I think about the person who can change their attitude and their heart and mind around whatever it is, LGBTQ issues, all, all sorts of marginalized people because they now know somebody. So it's the fear and the question that I have is like, well, what am I going to say when some horrible person says something horrible to me, right? Mm -hmm. And I think over time I'll care less.
but my husband is very good. And it's another reason why we're a great team. My husband is very good about identifying the allies mm. and amplifying those voices and supporting them. So I said earlier in, in the conversation, like it annoys me when someone needs to tell me either explicitly or implicitly that they like that I'm gay and I have a husband. Isn't that cute? And oh my God, you're the dream father because my husband doesn't do it. I'm like, I get it. You're not a homophobe. Yeah. Like that's cute. Um, and he, my husband is always like, don't sell that interaction short. Um, I'm sorry to do this, but your husband is right. He's right. I know. He, I know he's right. You know, he's like, don't focus on the, on the horrible person that said something horrible at the playground. Yes. You need to meet that person in that moment. But he's like, most people are very supportive or could care less. And I think doing more of that and being in more of that space, uh, it, it probably has a greater good. Right. Um, it certainly has a greater impact, I think, on our child, right? Like, yes, you know what? If you see somebody that you think is um, questioning whether or not they have your support, express it. Right. right? Yeah. Right. So I don't like it because I feel like someone's judged me and then they need to tell me that I'm okay. But you know what? <laughs> That's probably what happened. That's probably what but, happened. But better that than they, yeah. they say something. You know, I, I was telling a friend recently that I, I can see, especially when we travel outside New York, I can see the moment when people realize like, oh, it's two dads and a kid um, and it's their kid. And you can see that recognition and you could see kind of where they are by how long they continue staring. Yeah, right. And the longer they stare, the more annoyed I get, right? Because I'm like, (laughs) you think it's okay to stare because you've already judged this as something, let's say, peculiar or odd or wrong. Um, and then there are other people you catch staring and they have to give you that smile like, oh, you're such a cute family. Um, (laughs) but that's not going to go away. Right. And if I sense it, my child's going to sense it. So, you know, moving towards the warmth and not worrying about changing, you know, hateful people. Yeah. Um, but I think the other challenge is to not look, we all have hate in our hearts. We all have the capacity for hate in our hearts. And we all make these sort of microaggressions all the time, right? Whether it's about looks or money or, you know, what side of the railroad tracks you come from. Like, we've been dipped in this and it's very hard to get away from it. So if you are conscious of not making these little sort of microaggression judgments, like, oh, you've lost a lot of weight, you look great, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, Oh, good for you. You got that promotion. Like, you know, it's about time or like these things that like people say that are like kind of nice, but not right. right. Or they imply a very specific judgment that we all yeah. agree upon. Um, so that's the work that I'm doing. around. Yeah. People. So a lot of what you said is about uh, working on yourself. Yes. Rather than, you know, teaching your child. So how do you do that? How do you work on yourself? Um, I think that I, I, watch my child now very, very closely to remind me of, this is going to sound very sort of guru-y, but um, I watch my child. It's a podcast. I know. So listen, (laughs) listen out there. I, you know, watch your children because they are untainted. And, and this is, this is true about, you know, what we think about other people, but I, you know, I was just having these conversations around my, what my child eats. Um, and, and all like your child is born with all these impulses and instincts and none of the crap that we all have. Um, and that's why when, when people say you're so beautiful, could you be more handsome? I'm like, 
you know, yes, he is really beautiful, but like, can you say something else? Or like, you know, I want, you know, cause my child doesn't know that he's attractive. Now he looks in the mirror and he smiles and, you know, <laughs> and he has a cute look on. But um, I think for me, working on myself is watching my child and, and, and sitting on my hands when I want to stifle what is a very human instinct. You know, he fell today on the floor before we came here. And, you know, I, I keep saying, as I'm sure you do as parents, like, you're okay. You're okay. It's okay. You were scared. You weren't hurt, you know, <coughs> excuse me. And it's like, I, in the moment even, and after it, after it happens, I'm like, well, maybe he was hurt and maybe he wasn't scared. Like I'm trying to label the experience yeah. and all he wants to do is show me where he fell. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that phase of like this, a bad corner, it's a bad table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, Oh, it's a reminder that he, he'll only have hangups if we give them to him or we don't call out other hangups. And I'm a super judgmental person and on social media, it's so easy just to sit right. and be quiet in your judgment and scroll and scroll and be like, Oh really? Uh, this or that, or I know why you're posting this or, you know, and it, it's probably only going to get worse um, for us as human beings. But I, I look at him and he, he likes and loves everything and everyone. And I'm not like that. So I, it's a reminder for me to be like that. I, we were laughing while we were on vacation. He is little and he was, you know, he likes big kids. So he went up to this group of probably like four or five year old kids who were playing Duck, Duck, Goose, a game he has never experienced, but he loved the idea of they were running around and they were not having him, right. you know? And at first I was like, don't go, you know, you're going to get hurt or rejected or whatever. And I was like, you know what? He just needs to run around. And he, and they were rejecting him and one kid pushed him out of the circle and my son laughed and thought this was the best game ever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Why do I need to tell you that you've just been right. rejected? Yeah. Like you think this is fun. And it was such a reminder to me that like, it's all about the perspective and it's all about what you think matters most, right? right. Like, does it matter most that these kids like you or did you have a fun moment? Right. Um, so for me, that's a lot of the work and I, you know, I'm very fortunate because my husband and I share a lot of the values, but we have very different points of entry for these things. So, you know, I'll come home and say, oh, this person said this really annoying thing. And he was like, okay, but, you know, don't focus on that. And I write about being a gay dad. And every time I tell my husband what the topic is, he's careful to say, like, you know, make it positive. (laughs) Tone it down. Yeah, make (laughs) it positive and don't be angry. Sounds can like I, us. Can I? We uh, have to. I know. I yeah. just want. I just want to quickly change the subject to sure. one other thing. So it's a, it's a pride episode. So, um, how do you feel about the gay pride parade? You're you're a New Yorker, right? Yes. How do you feel about the gay pride parade? You gonna go? Um, yeah, of course. hundred percent. Bring the kids. Yes. Um, the kid. The kid. A hundred percent. I think that um, anything that you, within reason, anything that you keep hidden or secret becomes instantly negative. Mm. And I want my child to see that being gay is not one experience and it's not our experience necessarily. We have our own and I want him to know that there's a community. I want him to see that there are people 
not like us who support us. Right. And if I think that the gay pride parade is his only time he's going to see things that I wouldn't necessarily want him to see at a given age, then I'm really living in a hole. <laughs> um, and quite personally, when I came out to my parents who were great and got even greater, but when I came out to my mom, she asked a lot of salient questions about my health and relationships. She also asked me if I wore feathers and beads. Did you? Did you? I didn't, and I regret not having. Um, <laughs> but I thought to myself, what is that, right? You know, and that's the representation that she saw of gay right. people right. in the parade. Right. Um, you know, this sort of Mardi Gras, yeah. um, you know, hedonistic gay culture. And, and I think it's those things that, like, send messages all the time. And so when you were asking me about being a cultural unicorn, yeah, my parents are incredible. They were incredible, but like they weren't sitting down being like, listen, Ariel, if you're gay, that's going to be wonderful. And here there were, you know, no one talked about anything, right, right? right? Like I just came from the GLAAD awards as we were talking about and Madonna received an award and she talked about um, truth or dare. And you know, the audience was hooting and hollering. And it's like, I remember cutting school to go across the highway to see truth or dare and thinking like, Oh, there's this other world out there. And I'm not a dancer with Madonna's troupe, but I think, you know, count yourself lucky, right? There's just a lot of, there were so few things that we could hang our hat on then. And now oh, it's yeah. like, there's so many options for kids to see. I think it's a mistake to say, no, that doesn't exist or that's not important or it's not part of, the human experience. Yesterday I was with CLO, our son and his grandmother, my husband's mother. And we were in the mall letting him sort of run around downtown. And we went into this baby store and I was like, Oh my God, these little <laughs> checkerboard hot pants would be so cute for pride. And I bought them <laughs> for him. And like, you know, I'm excited to put him in a little pride outfit, but I think that's also the most important thing. It's also like you go to this parade and it's like, this is part of our community and we are a part of that. Right. But like, you're also, this, this, and this. And there's other celebrations that are equally as fun right. that have nothing to do with us that we should go and support. And it's a lot of work, right? It's very easy to roll up and be like, we're, we're as mainstream and as judgmental as everybody expects us to be um, so that we can focus on you and do your thing and make it very clear that like, this is good, this is bad. This person's good, this person's bad. And I think that you then raise a child who only does what they think other people want them to be or do right. and they you lose who you are and so that's that's the heavy lift but yes 100% pride parade 100% Ariel thank you so much thank you so thank much you so it's much. been so fascinating much. you know my I was I was very floored by this interview. First of all, he's just so he's a, a such a, an obviously decent and deep thinking person, and I'm sure he hears this all the time, and it's probably a little frustrating for him. But it, it can't be helped that this is related to the family that he comes from. I mean, you know, his father was, and I guess still is, such a light in the um, the sort of Jewish approach to pride uh, in his role 
uh, heading up the Anti-Defamation League, which a lot of people have heard of. And it just sort of instills such a sense of kind of openness to people who are different from each other that you really feel coming off of him. And it was great. I don't think that it's uh, it's only his family. He is talented too. I mean, well, I, I wasn't trying to say that. <laughs> um, he writes a lot, and I I particularly love his uh, gay dads column because it's kind of tackling some very interesting issues, like yeah. what do you call your dad? What uh, what do you want your kids to call you? Right, daddy or dad or papa, and the other one like you and your partner. I'm thankful when they don't call me poopy head, which has been going on recently. We're going to put uh, links to articles and blogs that he writes. so you can follow him as well one quick thing before we go because our time is up for this week yeah so just because pride uh, has started uh, pride month and uh, throughout the month there are going to be a lot of uh, pride events hopefully in your city if you can send us a picture of you and your kids at pride please please do that we want to make some sort of a collection on our daddysqr.com website of pride 2019 we want to see and we want to show the world how it looks like from the point of view of gay dads and I want to toss something in before we go too which is this can I can I oh. just say the uh, What? I never know when anyone is done. <laughs> I never know when they're done. I'm I just want to say, no, I'm, I'm done. Oh. Yes, go on. I love you, even love though you're... You blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Even though... I... <laughs> just, just go back and do the thing. So just what I wanted to say is that if you write to us, it's hello at daddysqr.com. If you want to just tag us on Instagram, that's that's great. great as well the gay dads podcast and um and now to you alex what did you want to say i wanted to say something that's maybe a little bit of a follow-up when you're thinking about pride you know so many of us when we have especially once we have kids we say yeah but i don't need to go to that stupid gay pride parade in my town or my city or wherever it is because you know uh, that's just like crazy people spraying pam all over their naked bodies and undulating which by the way sounds pretty good to me but the point is you say i especially when they're naked Naked, you yeah, say? Yeah, oh, I okay. assume that they're naked. If you spray Pam on your, Men. Dry, on your dry clothes. I mean, we don't want to see that. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is you may think that, but I do want to remind you that, you know, you are, whether you already have kids or you are thinking about kids, you are almost certainly the golden gods of gay men. You are the people that need to be seen. And I don't need, mean that you need to be seen by the press. I mean, you need to be seen by the 18-year-old and the 22-year-old and the 25-year-old who may be dancing naked, that's right, at the parade so that they can look at you and they can say, wait, my life can have all of this. It can have everything. And where are they going to see that if they don't see it from you? So get your tired asses off of your chairs on a Sunday morning. Get your dead bod t-shirts get because you get a, a lot more attention. <laughs> there I, is I, that. I, I must say that. So the amount selling. of time that I was approached by a rather hot I don't hear you know, about this. Young this man in West Hollywood. I don't want to hear about it. It's countless, I'm just saying. In any case, Walking my point is... Walking with my kids is, with my dad bought t-shirt. My point is... But I'm not selling. My point is, yeah. go to the parade. Yeah. Alex, I love you. Happy Pride, my love. I love you too, and I'm proud to have you as my husband. We love Hi. you too. We love everybody. <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the most people. Of, there are yeah. some people who are not. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Bye-bye, guys. Love you guys.
about becoming a dad, surrogacy is an amazing way to grow your family. Circle Surrogacy has successfully made the dream of parenthood a reality for gay singles and couples from across the U.S. and around the world for over 20 years. The surrogacy process and surrogacy costs can be complex. Circle's experienced staff will partner with you on your path to parenthood. Circle Surrogacy was founded on the belief that everyone should have the opportunity to become a parent, and they've helped bring almost 2,000 babies into this world. Circle Surrogacy makes parenthood possible for gay dads. Learn more at circlesurrogacy.com.